is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It was really good to have Michael Jury with us last week, who leads uh, the New Frontiers Church in Stoke-on-Trent. Michael's a good friend of ours. Uh, he leads Grace Church in Stoke. And uh, it's great to have him with us and uh, hear what he brought to us last week. If you missed that, uh, I'm sure it's either on the website or will we'll be very uh, soon. You can get hold of a copy of that if you missed it. The little series that I'm working through at the moment uh, is on the subject of gathering. And uh, we've looked over recent weeks at the subject of gathering together. How that when we gather, we gather uh, to worship God, we gather to Him. It's not that we think coming out on a Sunday morning is a, is a good thing to do. I mean, it is a good thing to do. I'm, I'm really pleased you're here. Uh, but it's not that we gather to ourselves or even particularly to a place, but rather we gather to God. And we gather to him in order to worship him and to encounter him. And as well as that, we gather to grow. And so we gather to worship, we gather to him, but also we gather together in order to grow. And uh, we looked last time when I was uh, speaking a, a couple of weeks or so ago uh, about the subject of uh, uh, growing together, growing in your, in your love for God, growing in your love for one another. And we looked to about uh, growing in God's Word and how it's important to grow in God's Word. And no matter how old you are, whether you're uh, just beginning to learn to read, and whether that's as a child or as an adult, or whether you've you know, read and enjoyed reading for many years, or, or whether it's something that you, you know, have to work hard at, I want to encourage you to get into the Word of God. Because that's going to feed you and help you. And it's not just about reading a book, but as you read God's Word, you encounter the author of it. You encounter God himself. So uh, we've got a, a children, well, several children's Bibles uh, that we use with, uh, with the girls. Uh, not Reuben yet, but we will do, I'm sure, in time. Uh, and so even at a very young age, we're uh, encouraging them to, uh, to learn to read the Bible and to, uh, to not just know some stories, but to get to know the author and to get to know who the stories are about. But as well as growing in God's words, I want to look this morning at the subject of growing in the Holy Spirit. So if you're taking notes this morning, that's your title, Growing in the Spirit. Sometimes we say, we use a phrase, we want to be both word and spirit. And we say that because some churches, uh, both in history and now, emphasize the Bible to the detriment of everything else. So they preach the, the Word of God, or they, they would say they would preach the Word of God, and pretty much that's it. So anything else wouldn't be so important to them. And you have other churches, both in history and today, and, and all they want to do is worship and receive the Holy Spirit and have a great time partying God's presence. But it seems that they do that, and then there's never time to get to the sermon. Well, there's never time to open up this book and say, what has God got from his word for us this morning? And so I want Jubilee, 
very clearly to be an em- have an emphasis both on words and spirit. It's not one or the other. And I want to encourage you, even if uh, at some point you move away from uh, Derby, maybe to another place, to uni, or, or maybe to another part of this country, or indeed the world, and you find yourself looking for another church, I want to encourage you, find somewhere that emphasizes both word and spirit, because both are important. And in fact, the Bible expects that we value both uh, with, uh, uh, with an emphasis on both, and church life should include both. So if you took this morning's message in isolation, you could say, oh, they're just a spirit church. But I would refer you to my preacher a couple of weeks ago and say, actually, I'm bringing the balance to what we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. So I want this morning to look at growing in the Holy Spirit. And and it so happened that this is a very appropriate Sunday to do that because it's Pentecost. And Pentecost Sunday is the Sunday in the year in the church calendar where we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at that. We're going to open our Bibles together in just a moment. So whilst we've talked recently about contributions in worship and how that is important, and it is, and how the Holy Spirit gives gifts, and he does. I want to talk this morning about growing in the Holy Spirit. And that's more than just a Sunday thing. So you may think what I'm saying is just about Sunday morning. It's not. It has, a, has an application on Sunday morning, but it's not just about Sundays. What I want to bring to us this morning is about the whole of life and should really affect the whole of our lives. Okay, so why don't we pray, and then we'll open up God's Word and, uh, and have a look together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, that we can spend these moments together uh, looking at this subject. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would now come and be our teacher. As we open up the Word of God, would you come and apply it to our lives, help us to understand what we read, uh, that, Lord, we might grow in you this morning. We might leave this place changed from how we came in because we've encountered you afresh. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, growing in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, who was sent by God to prepare the way for the coming of Christ, John the Baptist, he said, I baptise you with water, But he, talking about Jesus, will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, verse 8. And uh, and growing in the Holy Spirit, as we're going to talk about this morning, starts with baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, it's all too easy to think that as a charismatic church, we've got this sust and we can forget about it and somehow move on. But rather, it's important that we come back to these sort of things with some degree of regularity so that we can ensure we understand God's words and we can make sure we're applying it to our lives and we're receiving all that God has for us. So if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to open it, please, uh, to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 37. Now, if, you, if you're part of Jubilee, I hope you have got your Bible with you. <laughs> uh, you're, you're exempt if you're visiting us. But if you're part of the church, listen, I want to encourage you, bring, bring it with you. 
Make sure you've got it to hand so you can follow through what we read. I know you trust me and you wouldn't think I'm making it up, but I want to, uh, you to see that what we're reading is God's word to us and uh, to get hold of it. So John chapter 7, uh, John's Gospel, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Okay, so Jesus stands up and says, uh, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let me tell you what's happening here. Jesus is at a festival. The Jews love their festivals. They are a great excuse to remember something that God had done for them in the past, to celebrate it together, and to thank God for his faithfulness, uh, and to, uh, to make sure they remember the important things in their history. And Jesus is talking here at the Feast of Tabernacles. And what, what this feast is remembering is that one time in their history, the Jews found themselves in the wilderness after uh, leaving Egypt, after God bringing them out of Egypt, before they got to the land that God had promised them, they spent 40 years in the desert. And I don't know how much you know about deserts, but I'm sure you'll know this much, and that there's not a whole load of water in deserts. In fact, that's why they are, in fact, deserts. And uh, there, is in de- there is one occasion in, in this, this Jewish people where Moses, who's leading them, discovers that they have no water. Now, you can survive for, um, for, for quite a while without food, but your body needs water to survive. To live, you need to make sure you drink lots of water. And I, and I guess the government health message at the moment would be, in the hot weather, make sure you're drinking enough of, water, of, the, of the stuff, of water. But you, you'll know that you need water to survive. And so Moses is leading this great mass of people, most theologians reckon, probably around sort of or two million or so by the time you sort of add up all the, all the adults and children. So there's a lot of people. No water. And so you can imagine all the people coming to Moses and saying, Moses, we've got no water. What are you going to do? And Moses couldn't say, don't worry, just go to the tap and you can fill up your bottle and you'll be fine. They're in the desert. There's no running water. There's no immediate water supply available. And they realize that if they don't drink something rather soon, they've had it. They're not going to reach the land that God has promised them. And so they go to Moses. What are we going to do, Moses? And Moses thinks, this is not good. We've got no water. Goes to God. But what, what, what should we do? And God tells Moses to take his staff and to strike a rock. And as Moses is obedient, water gushes from this rock. And what happens is there's enough water provided to feed, to, 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 to refresh all these people. So we're not talking about, you know, a small cupful. We're not uh, talking about, you know, a small mineral bottle of water full that Moses would have picked up from the local branch of Costco. 
But we're talking enough water for two million people, which is quite a lot of water. Those of you who are experts in such things could maybe research it for me and tell me how many litres of water would be necessary for two million people. Perhaps you can find out for me and let me know. It'd be useful next time I preach on the subject. But God provides enough water for all these people. And it's a supernatural provision. And so what happens in this festival, the Jewish people remember this. And they take these large jars, big things, they fill them with water and they pour the water down the temple steps. And as they do that, they remember that God provided water for them in the desert and he was faithful. And so in this context of them thinking about water, them remembering God's faithfulness to them, Jesus stands up and says this, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. See, it's relevant. They're talking about being thirsty and about drinking. And he goes on, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So not just a stream of water down a temple step, not just enough water to refresh, but Jesus says there'll be streams of living water flowing from within you. And by this, John tells us, he meant the Spirit's whom those who believed in him were later to receive. You see, flowing water is often used in the Bible as a picture of the Holy Spirit. So it's a common illustration. And so Jesus is promising here the Holy Spirit. And and a little bit later in uh, John chapter 16, if you turn over uh, a few pages, verse 7 of John chapter 16. Jesus says this, he says, But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit. And we're not talking about just sending an impersonal force. But the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit to us. He makes it clear that at that point the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been sent. The disciples were going to have to wait. Now in Acts chapter 1, if you want to turn over a few pages again, it's the beginning of the book of Acts. In verse 4, Jesus says, We gave them his command while he was with them. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So do you see now that this is something that Jesus is talking about? It's something that Jesus is promising. He comes back to it again to make sure the disciples have understood the truth of what he's saying. He's saying, listen, wait. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Now Jesus uses this phrase, being baptised in the Holy Spirit. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a baptism service in the afternoon. Maybe some of you were there. And those whom we baptised, we baptised them in water. And, uh, and there was a lot of water. It was a, you know, a big pool of water. And those who we baptised, we, we took into the pool, and they were totally immersed in water. They went down, they, they came back up again. I haven't got time to do a preach on baptism right now. Um, but that's what happened to them. 
They were totally immersed in water. And when Jesus uses this phrase, baptism in the Holy Spirit, he wants us to have that same idea, being totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Greek word that's used here, talking about baptism, in fact is an everyday word that describes what happens if a ship had sunk out at sea. So if a ship had sunk, you know, it would have been submerged with water, would have gone to the bottom of the ocean, would have been totally drenched in water. You'd say, you'd see that ship that got baptised this week off the coast. That's how you might refer to it. It's the same word that Jesus is using here. A total filling or covering, drenching, if you like, with the Holy Spirit. You would know about it. If you were on the ship that had sunk, had been baptised, you'd know about it, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be standing there thinking, well, I'm not sure, I think maybe we've sunk. I think maybe the ship's been baptised, but I, I, I don't know, what do you think? You might say to your friend. It wouldn't be like that, would it? You, you would know about it. There'll be no doubt whatsoever in your minds. And Jesus doesn't want to leave us with any doubt either. He wants us to understand very clearly what he's saying here. And so in Acts chapter 2, you have the Holy Spirit being sent for the first time to the church as as a whole. And at Pentecost, this is what we remember once a year. This is the, uh, what they call the Feast of Pentecost. We're we're talking about Pentecost and we say, well, we remember that once a year. We remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not always big on, on festivals and, uh, and dates in our style of churches. Other church streams maybe take more notice of that. But listen, this is a good one to remember. It's a good one to come back to and to celebrate and to make sure we understand the truth of it in our lives right now. So Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. But friends, listen. The coming of the Holy Spirit is not something that happened just once on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 or so years ago. But rather, Jesus wants us to experience the coming of the Holy Spirit now, in our lives, today, as part of the normal, everyday experience of the Christian in the 21st century. So, before we get on to a little bit about that, let's just ask a question, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in your life to help you to know God and to to live the Christian life. Now, for those of you who have been a Christian for any length of time, maybe there's been a time in your life where you've, you know, in your own strength, you've tried hard to be a Christian. I don't know if you can relate to that. Maybe some of you can. I know I can, certainly. I think, yeah, I, I'm going to read the Bible and think, okay, I'm going to try hard now to be a good Christian. I'm going to try hard to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to try hard to follow Jesus. And if you're anything like me, then and if you do that in your own strength, or rather try and do that in your own strength, it's quite a demoralizing exercise because we find that we're not very good at it. We find it's difficult, it's hard, we 
We, we can't reach what God has for us. And somehow you can, some people, well, that's their only experience of the Christian life. And they think, actually, that's just how it is. I'm going to go through life struggling, uh, struggling to, to get to what God wants me to be like, and it's just going to be how, how it is. It's going to be hard. But that's not what the Bible expects. I'm not suggesting the Bible expects us to have an easy life. God doesn't say that. But what the Bible does expect for us, and God makes very, very clear, is that he wants to send the Holy Spirit to us in order that it might be by his power that we live the sort of life that he wants us to live. Not in our own strength, but rather in his So the Holy Spirit comes to us and helps us to do that. He helps us to relate to God. He helps us to witness. The Holy Spirit brings fruit in our character. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I think the list in Galatians chapter 5. As well as that fruit and as well as the uh, ability then to, to live the sort of life that God has for us, the Holy Spirit wants to give us gifts. As we talked about a few, a few weeks ago in terms of gifts of prophecy and tongues and interpretations and words of knowledge and healing and these things that the Holy Spirit brings to us. So my question for you is this. Are you growing in these things? Are you, this morning, as you sit here in the quad, as we've gathered together, are you growing in the Holy Spirit? Are you growing in these things? Could you look at your character and say, yeah, I'm becoming more like Jesus in these things? Would you look at yourself and say, yes, I'm growing in these gifts? How would, how would you react to that sort of question? Are you growing in these things? See, Jesus gives us his power to change. You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus says. He gives us supernatural gifts, as we've said. So are we growing in these things? Listen, worship helps us with that because we find ourselves in the presence of God, focusing on him, not on us. And in that context, God can help deal with things in our lives, bring fruit to our character to grow and give gifts to us. But let's make it really clear These gifts are not just for worship times on a Sunday morning. You might think, oh, well, you know, gifts of a tongue and interpretation or a prophetic word, that's just about Sunday morning, isn't it? No, it's not. That's one opportunity to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But let's be really clear. It's not the only opportunity to use gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible expects us not just to keep them contained to a worship meeting like this, but rather that they should be gifts that God gives to us in order to live live a naturally supernatural life. And so that's one reason why next Sunday afternoon we're going to do this thing called treasure hunting that I talked about. And go out into the city and ask God for gifts of words of knowledge for people in order that, that we might help them encounter God. One particular writer talking about this says that it's about a supernatural encounter. It's about learning to live a naturally supernatural kingdom lifestyle in which miracles, physical healing, the prophetic, setting people free are normal occurrences as we release the presence 
and power of the kingdom of God to the people we know and the people we meet. He goes on. God wants us to have an encounter so that we become an encounter so that others can have an encounter. It's good, isn't it? We need to encounter God, not just that we think, oh, that was a nice time in the Holy Spirit. That was a fun meeting. No, no, no. God wants us to have an encounter so that we become an encounter so that others can have an encounter with God. That's what we'll be doing next Sunday afternoon. But it's important we understand that because we can think, oh, it's just about me. It's just about having fun in the Holy Spirit. It's just about you know, how I might feel in the meeting. And if we think that, we've missed the point. God wants us to receive the Holy Spirit, be totally filled, baptized, drenched in him in order that we might encounter God. God might work on us. Then in order that we might be an encounter for others and they might encounter Jesus themselves. So, in a moment, we're going to pray for people. But before we do that, let me just talk about how we receive the Holy Spirit. And then we'll spend a few moments praying together. So, is it automatic a conversion, what we're talking about? Is it, is it automatic when you become a Christian that you're filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible makes it really clear. No, it's not. It is the Holy Spirit that leads us to God. Let's be very clear about this. We can only, in fact, respond to God because of his work in our lives. It's at his initiative. It's not that we think it's a good idea. We say, God, please, please, can I have a relationship with you? No, no. It's we respond to his initiative. Let's be very clear about that. But his initiative in our lives, the Holy Spirit drawing us to God, is not the same as being baptised or totally filled with the Holy Spirit. So I wonder this morning, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit in this way. I want to ask you, are you thirsty for him, for his presence? Maybe you have received the Holy Spirit like this many times before. Listen, you too can be thirsty. And I would encourage us that actually our default position should be that we are thirsty for more of God because, let's face it, we need more of him, don't we? Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you've come with a friend to find out what church is all about. Well, the invitation is for you as well because God wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to experience a totally changed and transformed life. He wants you to experience having your sin forgiven, everything you've done that's offended God, everything that would get in the way of your relationship with him, he wants to deal with and forgive and wants you to encounter him in the same way that we're talking about all of us encountering him this morning. So as we come in a moment, as we pray for one another in a moment, I want to encourage us to come with faith. This is important. We need to come to God with faith. As if we come to him saying, well, Lord, I guess uh, uh, if this is for you, if it's for me, and you want me to have it, then you can give it a go if you like. (laughs) If we're sort of coming to God like that, then there's not a lot of faith in that, is there? But rather, God wants us to come to him in faith, saying, Lord, I trust you. God, I I, I trust your word. I believe you. God, I want to receive all you have for me. That's coming to him in faith. I want to encourage you, come to God in faith. And if you think, I'm just not sure yet, 
then I'm very happy to sit down with you and we can open up the Bible together and look at some other verses we don't have time to look at this morning. Because God wants us to come with faith and also come and drink. It's, it's like it's an active thing. I could have this bottle of water here, but unless I open it and drink some of it, it's not going to do me any good, is it? For it to do me any good at all, for it to refresh me, I need to take the top off, I need to have a drink, I need to do something with it. And in the same way, coming to God and receiving the Holy Spirit, we need to come and, as it were, drink of him, receive what he has for us. So come and be expectant. Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find so come and be expectant. They have to beg and try and persuade God this is a gift that God wants and delights to give. How do I know that? Because the Bible makes it very, very clear. We don't have to persuade God that if he wouldn't mind, please, would he think about possibly? No, no. We come to God in faith, ask him and receive. Sometimes people say, well, what's going to happen? How will I know? Well, in the Bible, often people receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. And in a moment, we're going to pray for anybody who wants to receive prayer for this this morning. And it may be we lay hands on you. And it's not that there's anything particularly special about laying on of hands other than it just seems to be a way that God often uses. Now, God being God, he doesn't have to use anybody else in the whole equation. He could just come to you and you'd encounter him powerfully afresh. And that may happen. But the way God seems to most often come to us is he uses other people in the process. We get in on the deal. God uses us. doesn't have to, but he chooses to. And so as we pray and lay hands on people, then often God comes. That just seems to be how God does it. And how will you know? Well, you will know. In the same way that if you were on that ship that had got sunk, you would have known about it. You'll, you'll know when the Holy Spirit comes on you when you're baptised in the Spirit. It may be that you know, you'll start speaking in tongues, a language that God will give you to help you worship Him. It may be that you just have a sense of worship and praise bubble up inside you. It may be you feel God giving you some prophetic words. It may be you sort of almost collapse and fall over uh, in His presence. I shouldn't worry if that happens. It's hardly surprising if you encounter the living God. Something is going to happen, isn't it? But in Scripture, there is always some evidence for baptism in the Spirit. Often it's speaking in tongues. Not always. Often it is, but it isn't always. But there is always some evidence. Sometimes people say to me, Graham, I'm not sure if I'm baptised in the Spirit. And when people say that, my experience has been, more often than not, they haven't been. Because when you are, you know about it. And it might be you think, oh, I'm not sure if I am. Well, my encouragement to you would be, well, don't worry about whether you are or not. Come again anyway. Because it's not about something that only happens once, but rather something that we keep coming to God for and he wants, to, wants us to experience time and time again. Because we need to encounter him afresh, don't we? So are you growing in the Holy Spirit? As we gather, we should be growing in the Word and in the Holy Spirit. A passage that 
a few weeks ago, it, it seemed many of our preachers looked at was the passage uh, when the disciples, after the, resurre- after the resurrection, I didn't know about it at that point, uh, they, they walked to a place called Emmaus. And Jesus comes to them. And, they, and you find the story of these rather downcast disciples thinking, well, Jesus has died and it's all over. And well, it's just, what's going to happen? And we've heard a rumor that maybe he's risen again. But I don't know. And it just all seems to be very depressed. And Jesus comes to them. And after a period of time, he opens the, the scriptures to them. And at one point, it's, the Bible says their eyes are open and they suddenly see him for who he is. And he's taken from them. But it's like they weren't living in the good of what happened. Jesus had risen from the dead, but they weren't living in the good of it. I wonder this morning, my question for you is this. Are you living in the good of the resurrection and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If you're not, then God wants to come to you this morning and encounter you afresh. And if you are, God wants to come to you again, that you might encounter him and all he has for you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.